Welcome back to class, everybody. I am Ethan from the Weepology Podcast. And today I've got a co-host that is not normal on the show, but he's been here quite a few times. Ricky is indisposed at the moment, so... Hey guys, I'm Ricky. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> that is not Professor Ricky, as I'm sure you know. That is... Welcome back to Professor class. Professor Patbot. We installed a non-mechanical sounding voice in him. It's like, uh, <laughs> have you ever heard uh, like old GPSs? You could change the voice and it could be like uh, Dracula's telling you the directions. <laughs> I want you to go right. <laughs> was that real? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was hilarious. Why isn't that real anymore? <laughs> I just think people got over the, like, the novelty of it. They're like, all right, shut up, Jack. <laughs> we get it. We're turning right. Jesus. Do a U-turn. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I want to suck your blood in the next turn. Take a left. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, today, um, we did something a little different. That I, we haven't done much on this show, which is we watched an actually good movie. <laughs> I liked it. I think it was good. But anyway, we watched the 1998 Perfect Blue. 1997. Well, that's when it was released at a festival, but it was actually released on February 28th in 1998. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) That's why you're the professor and I'm the janitor. Right. It's just like I have the Wikipedia open, so maybe don't (laughs) fuck with me. Sorry, Sorry, sir. I won't interrupt. Yeah, thoughts on that? Like, <laughs> my thoughts are I was wrong. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> That'll be extra, you know, detention or something like that. <laughs> um. Anyway, this is directed by Satoshi Kon, which is a well-known director. Um, I believe he's known for just mostly this sort of like psychological thriller, similar to this sh- this movie. Um, anyway, he's a famous guy, so, uh, it was a, what do you think? Good movie? Bad movie? I, I, I feel like this is a movie where I would have to watch it three or more, three or four times to really get my opinion. Um, but I loved it. I, I loved the ride. We kind of watched it together over the internet and kind of like commenting to each other and the whole time we're like, oh, okay, this is it. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is yeah. it. And then we were both so confused so immediately. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I, I was reading. It was like a Reddit or something. It was something like, uh, is Perfect Blue Inception? <laughs> no. So. I want to read that. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting uh, movie. So, like I said, it's a like a psychological thriller. So, it's similar to something like. Did you ever watch Memento, or did you never watch it because we didn't watch it together? I think you know the answer to you that. You never watched it. All right. I never watched it. <laughs> uh, okay, then let's say a similar scenario to like a Fight Club. Inception. Fight Club. Okay, yeah, it is like Fight Club a little bit. Where <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have opened that Memento wound, but uh, anyway... <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, it's probably a great movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. But uh, essentially, <laughs> the main character, uh, Mima Chan, is a like a pop group front woman. Uh, the group's name was Cham, which, okay, Awful terrible. Name. And she's basically made this decision to leave like her pop life behind and to become this this actress. And she wants to be taken seriously, right? And do, like, nice drama and shit like that, right? Yeah, part of the conflict is that it's, like, being very heavily driven by her agent, saying that, like, she's too old to be a pop star, that, like, she has to be an actress now, that sort of thing. Well, it seemed like it was, you know, industry-driven in some regards. Like, I think mm-hmm. as a group, Cham, like, the three-person was not doing so hot, at least, like, weren't charting and weren't making a lot of money. And so this this group that they, I guess, work for, this uh, agency, w- decided they wanted to push her in, like, a different direction. 
Um, and, you know, this is kind of like a hard um, movie to talk about without really spoiling a lot. So just let, we're just going to say right now, definitely go watch it if you want to, you know, watch something that was, I guess, like a non-spoilery review. I would say it was like pretty mind twisting. I'm not really sure what is exactly true and what is false, even still having fully finished it. So let's let's try before the spoiler warning. I mean, I think it would be an interesting idea to try to pitch it without spoiling it. Like in the very beginning of the movie, Ethan said something really interesting by like he said, wouldn't it be interesting if like you couldn't quite tell what was real and what is like imagined or like in a show or like not really happening. And it kind of descended from there. It's it's very interesting in that way where we have to like really pay attention. Um because like the the main like if you wrote down the plot on a piece of paper it's like a pop idol stops being a pop idol and then gets a stalker technically i guess that's it um but then just so much more happens yeah it was uh <laughs> i don't know it's it's one of those movies where you, when you finish watching it you just kind of like sit back and you're like huh i'm not even like particular i'm not like super <laughs> sure what happened right <laughs> Right, right. Um, and I think it's a lot like Fight Club, where there's things that the main character is going through that may or may not have happened. You know what I mean? And then, like, when you finish watching Fight Club, you're like, "So were all those things really him?" Or you know, I think it's one of those situations where like the human mind is such a interesting scenario or a, an interesting tool, I guess, to play upon as like a director, as like a you know, movie man, where, like, say you go through a trauma and your mind will make up some scenario to make it so, like, survivable, right? Like, I think that happens all the time with, like, victims of, like, you know, crazy crimes and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's just interesting that this movie, like, really plays on that. Like, the mind can be used to... I guess portray a completely different scenario than what actually happened, like to protect yourself. But was that all in the show? Who knows? Okay, so now I guess we can say spoiler warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway, so uh, I mean, this is a really hard sh- hard movie to talk about. I mean, I felt like so much happened, so I think we should just dig in and like. I hope you guys have watched it if you're this far in. Um, I know it's essentially been a complete ramble fest so far for the eight, eight minutes and 40 seconds, but, uh, it's just like that confusing and that much of a rat's nest here that that's kind of like all I'm feeling at this point. What about you? I feel like sometimes when you guys do worst of weeb that it's not always exactly clear what you're summarizing. Cause you'll be saying like, no, literally the movie just does this. There's no connection. Yeah. Anything. But in this case, it's, like, so clearly intentional that things are disconnected and, like, it is a little disorganized. And, like, as the movie goes on and the, you know, main character starts losing some stability, starts having some degradation or mental health, her mind's disorganization, like, really personifies itself in her bedroom, which I loved. Like, you know, her fish die, her clothes are just, like, all over the floor. She starts getting stuff in her closet that she doesn't remember putting there. Um... And it's almost like her bedroom, I think, is like a uh, interesting, I don't think metaphor is the right word, not allegory either, something, a stand-in for the state of her mind. And so like at the end of the show, the movie, when she says like she's in a different room and she's like, this isn't my room. And it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is your room. You know, this is, this is the real Mima's room. Right. So anyway, the plot kind of goes into this weird scenario where after she decides to leave the pop star business and, you know, try to become a fledgling actor or actress, I suppose, um, basically her fans are pissed off or some of them in particular are pissed off. And there there's a site that gets put up called uh, Mima's Room. And it's basically this like super fan account of like every action she does um and it's got this section called my diary 
and it's it's so accurate to what she does in a day that she starts thinking like did i actually write this you know (laughs) there's one point where she looks at and she's like oh that's right i went to harajuku this morning Yeah, she's like oh i guess i did go to harajuku and it's like oh wow but anyway, it's kind of like this interesting play. I think the whole point of the the movie is to talk about the the, the struggles of expectation in businesses like this, or a an industry like I guess showbiz, because I think you see it from two angles. You see, um, well, I guess three. Her her manager and agents are like, yeah, we need to kind of progress her through this. Um, I guess pipeline, right? Like even when she was leaving Cham, the the final scene uh, of that concert was like she's graduating from Cham, right? And I think in in, oh, in Japan right. they do do that where, you know, you'll be a kid idol uh growing up or whatever and then you'll like essentially graduate to another J-pop group and then move forward from there, right? I think that is like a genuine pathway that they do take. Um, and so I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting, like kind of bringing some real world, um, I guess business <laughs> into it. Uh, but it was kind of interesting. So she goes from there and her manager uh, is of course pushing her into a more adult world. Right. So like the J pop idol scene is pretty like tame and, and they play on this a lot later on where like going into that adult world is like tainting her in some way. And it's kind of like this, this, I guess, internal drive to, to want to progress, but also not wanting to let go of what, you know, like all the fans think is like a constant thing, right? Like, like fans think of people as being like good people, you know, like famous people as being good just because of what they see on screen or on stage and stuff like that. And then you find out like they're normal people, like they have affairs, they have all these things going on in their lives, right? Sure, yeah. I don't know, it's just like such a a deep movie, but I did want to like immediately comment on like some things I really loved about it. I thought the- I have some notes as well, but you go first. Yeah, I thought the like landscapes and the setting was just like extremely well done. Like of course it's like mid middle of Tokyo, so it's just like a a cityscape, but it was just like really well drawn. Would you agree? I thought it was like gorgeous. Um, not one of those that like tries to look realistic. Um, it was almost like watercolor. I'm not sure. It was really good looking. Like every every single like cityscape shot, like when she's like on the subway or something, is like always really pretty. Um, it kind of made me notice that like throughout the movie, it's almost like the sun goes down. I'm just noticing that now. And then it's like just nighttime at the end. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really, I didn't put two and two together, but you're right. I don't think there was any real night times early on, except for like after her like first day of the job or whatever. Oh, right. Of course. Maybe like every time she was on the, the internet looking at Mima's room, maybe that's when it was like nighttime. So as a very brief, rundown of the plot um at this point i would assume that everyone's seen it but just as a reminder for people who maybe saw it a while ago is like this girl like we just mentioned her agent and her manager decide that she's ready for bigger and better things in the forms of being an actress and what that means is going from like the little girl doll stuff of being like a idol to the adult and mature stuff of like guest starring on like law and order svu um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> tell me it wasn't they're like hey your first scene's gonna be really sketchy um, but then like throughout the movie you know there's like some imp- some very direct almost like red herrings I would say where people say like oh because the plot of the show that she's co-starring in is almost synonymous with her what's going on in her life like they say like oh well she has split identity or dissociative identity disorder and she whenever she thinks that she's on screen that's what's happening in her real life and you're like is that true and then she has like all these blackouts but the main character that like has the most interest to me outside of the main character is um rumi and 
I told Ethan that I wanted 30 minutes to like digest <laughs> this when we finished before recording. And because I had this dumb genius thing that Rumi is are you me? And I'm not sure if it's probably genius, but it's also literally the word room. Um, room me, which like, I'm probably thinking too hard about it now, but I really think that her room is like consistently a metaphor for her mind. Um, and she has like these, like this, I want to say it's like a progression from like this completely stable, happy girl to this, like, you have no idea what's real, no idea what's going on. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other notes of like theories or it's hard? Well, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the theory yet, but any other like details that you saw? I guess I'm, I'm like massively confused. What's what the hell the fish scenario was about. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think it was going on. Anytime you saw her like spazzing out in her room. Okay. I think that was actually roomy thinking about the deterioration of, who mommy was to her right yeah she definitely like very clearly idealizes her i think she idealizes that that i guess point in a time in a pop star's life because we find out that Rumi actually used to be a pop star and obviously fell out of fame or whatever essentially a failed pop star and what i think was going on was Mommy was actually just living a normal life and wasn't having these mental problems that we're seeing on screen. And anytime we're seeing her like spaz out or freak out, it's actually Rumi like freaking out in her bed or something like that, right? Right. So that's my kind of like theory is that the main character, Mommy, didn't really have many like mental problems going on or like any, I guess you know, collapse toward the abyss like we're seeing on screen because I think it's really just like uh, Rumi kind of like struggling with the fact that this this idol is now falling apart essentially. And, and I don't know, it's still confusing because I know at least in this plot on Wikipedia, it says that the, the Rumi from, or sorry, the, <laughs> the Mima, from the uh, the website was actually Rumi. Oh, that's what I said. Like writing, like, you know, saying, uh, I want to be, you know, I want to quit this job and go back and be a pop idol and all that stuff. Yeah, because that's the, the stalker also said that Mima was emailing him every day. Right. And I think that was Rumi. Exactly. But it says that she ends up killing the stalker because he was he was like essentially inept at doing something. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Oh, you think Rumi did it? No, Rumi for sure did it. Go on. I don't think we were on the same page. Okay, then you tell me what's going on for you. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I think you're wrong. I just want to hear more. So what I'm saying is every time that you see mom mima doing something like crazy or insane or killing somebody that was actually rumi but she was she was essentially trying to protect her idea of mommy or mima even though that's not like what mima wanted to do right so like you would see you would see mima do like a scene in her uh, double bind show, right? Right. And like you'd see her do it correctly and then you'd see her kind of like fall apart and do all this weird shit. What I'm thinking is that every time she was like falling apart or weird, it was actually just Rumi watching her like do something other than what she felt like she was supposed to be doing. And so that's Mm -hmm. where like a lot of the, I guess the anguish was coming for Rumi was that, I don't know, man. This is just like such a difficult thing. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly made ambiguous on purpose. Right. And like you're supposed to derive your own meeting because I see like two very clear interpretations and then people have their own, of course. But the two that I see are that like, you know, Rumi is trying to relive her time as a pop star by pretending to be Mima 
or Rumi's like adopted Mima's innocent persona as her own. Um, and then you could also say that like Rumi isn't really even associated with this and that Mima is, is just kind of going through like which one is the real me and that Rumi might not actually be participating, but that she would like more represent like this is me down the line or something. Um, I think that like something that one of the biggest lines that she keeps repeating is like, who are you? Um, Rumi comes in and says, are you me? And then, yes. Um, but if you remember the bad guy, the bad guy, the stalker guy who, I mean, I guess you're right. I guess he did die. It's, it's, and, and this is me, like, I guess self-awarely saying, like, I literally can't tell if he died. Um, yeah, so the plot on Wikipedia says that... Okay, it says, Meme Mania attempts to yes, rape... the stalker. Uh, yeah, attempts to rape and kill her under email instructions from the real Mima to eliminate the imposter. But Mima knocks him unconscious with a self, uh, with a hammer in self defense and flees. But do you think that's the real Mima? Well, apparently, the plot on Wikipedia seems to think it's her. Uh, no, the real Mima, I think, is what Rumi called herself. That's correct. That's correct. So sorry, when I say real Mima, I mean the, the <laughs> Mima that we think is Mima. I think that's the other the other problem of, of this uh, movie is that. Everyone uses the same effing name. <laughs> yeah. Especially calling yourself the real Mima is very confusing when you're trying to decide who the real one is. <laughs> yeah, and and Mimania. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, that one makes sense because he was like, he named himself Mimania because it's Mima Mania, Mimania, you know. I like, know, I'm just saying like it's just confusing. So many yeah. me 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 me's. <laughs> so I'm guessing Something- that okay, it seems like actually that she was still kind of dealing with this the struggle of figuring out if she's doing all of these things is what this is kind of saying. So, do you think that Rumi killed that dude and then put the pizza guy uniform in Mima's closet? I think so. Yes. Wow. I know. I guess that would also explain why she kept saying things like, oh, I guess I went to Harajuku today. Like, it would have been Rumi doing it, I guess. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The the one thing I'm struggling with is, like, how did she actually lose periods of time? Like, I think she was destabilizing a bit, for sure. I read a theory after we finished watching. There was one that said that... um at the end, Mima convinces the cops of this plot that you and I are talking about. And that when she goes to visit her in the insane asylum, it's like, I won. You know, like, and then she gets to be free because she kind of, like, assigned Rumi this psychotic personality. But I think that doesn't necessarily make sense because you can see Rumi thinking she's Mima in the psych hospital. Yeah. It would honestly be better if if Mima was the actual like psycho killer and like was able to convince everyone, I think that would have been a even better story. Sort of like a, a, like a gone girl esque story. Did you ever watch that or read that book? I watched the movie. So like she would basically like pretends that she was the victim, right? Sure. But she was the big, big brain mastermind, you know, all along. (laughs) That would actually be like a sicker version of this movie. But I don't think that that's actually accurate. It seems like she said, because I think that final car ride really explained, like, I don't, because she's saying she doesn't really care if she is, like, a tarnished actress, but that's who she wants to be, you know? Like, like she's still her, you know what I mean? And it's it, it's kind of like dealing with the expectations that people have for you versus, like, what you are, right? Like, Basically, mm-hmm. if somebody expects you to be a straight A student, but you happen to get a B, but you're okay with that, like you did your best or whatever, like what's the point mm-hmm. of, you know, feeling bad about it? I guess is is kind of what I'm pulling away from this. I think that was Mima's thing because remember, you know, like she is clearly upset with like the photo shoot and the scene that she films, but then she also says like, well, 
you know, I agreed to it. And it seems like she makes peace with it. But then, of course, you know, we have, like, the rampages. Um, so I do think that, like, maybe her expectation of the career progression wasn't necessarily as harsh and shattered as Rumi's, like, uh, perception of it may have been. Well, one thing I was thinking is maybe both of those scenes weren't as really as bad as they were portrayed on screen in real life. Interesting. You're you're probably on the money there. Because Rumi is is there for both of them watching these things happen and maybe she's viewing them as like much more aggressive and much more per, like I guess invasive to Mommy's character or what she believes is Mommy's character because each of these people that are doing these scenes or like creating these scenes are like viewed as the tarnishing like agents to Rumi, mm-hmm. especially that, that like, I, I guess faux rape scene from the, uh, from the show, the double bind show. Mm-hmm. Like you see Rumi is just like straight up bawling in the, uh, I guess the oh, green yeah. room watching this. And she even like gets up and leaves as a result. Oh, she does leave. That's right. And so what I guess I wonder, and, and this is something that, you know, we were talking about while we were watching this is like, there's no way they're letting this like near full scene go on television in Japan, right? So I, I have a feeling that would it, explain- it wasn't as like aggressive in the actual show. But that's- That could be true for the photo shoot too, because yeah. she goes from like tasteful, you know, I'm in casual wear shot to like insane photo shoot in like a few seconds to like fully nude, but also like the, the ca- photographer is like the dudes sitting, on top of her. Yeah. Sitting on her like <laughs> chest. It made no sense. Like it was the weirdest scenarios to where like no actress is going to be like, yeah, sure. Climb on up cowboy. <laughs> right. Yeah, this looks. This is fine. Yeah. This is normal. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is just like one of those movies. I think where you can just really like dig in and just think about it like all day long. But it was a madhouse production, so it was pretty like. I think all the characters looked good, except for what I did kind of like is, and this is probably just in an effort to save money. But any of the like random fans in the audience or people like that didn't have like really well-defined faces in some of the like uh i guess in the pop star scenes and stuff like that it was just like empty faces with like a few people that have like a full uh face i guess people that are going to be involved in the actual scene and i thought that was cool as like a you know when you're famous like this or when you're like a pop star you know you see so many people's faces like you don't actually like i guess recognize them or you don't you know take them in and be like oh yeah that's one of my best fans or something like that right but each of those fans like thinks they're like your number one you know of course i mean i i, I guess on purpose or not it does serve the theme of like the almost pop star versus fan like uh kind of thing that's going on. I like that uh the what is it? The guy that like starts the fight in the beginning like mysteriously dies and there's like a newspaper clipping like put in the elevator and then she turns around and sees this dude which like again if we're talking about like how it's animated the stalker is like I mean he's almost like a red herring of who the villain is cuz I personally I guess would say that Rumi's the villain. Um because she like even drives the stalker to do what he does, but the stalker is like almost drawn like a fish or like a lizard. He doesn't even like look human. Um, and you could say the same for Rumi, and uh, that like their eyes are just a little bit more far far apart. Their mouths don't necessarily look they're in the right spot. Um, it's just really interesting how it's sort of like. In other words, they're busted, bro. They are <laughs> no, busted. It wants you to hate them, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But I, I do think that this the stalker guy is like a not the villain. I think at the beginning he was even if you remember me and you like commented that he was like really supportive of her and like saying like you know like he's still being a stalker, but you know. But a good oh, stalker. Oh, this is also an interesting. 
this is an interesting period piece as well because she gets a note that says like there's a link to look in her room and she's like what does that mean and Ethan and I are immediately like how are you not calling the cops but then someone has to explain to her like what the internet is and it's it's just an interesting kind of thing that thinking about back then I guess if someone said they had a link to your room you wouldn't necessarily assume oh someone's streaming my room yeah <laughs> um, which in retrospect wasn't exactly possible either back then so yeah, I guess we uh, yeah. we were the dumb ones for that. <laughs> we were dumb. I was like, "Yo, somebody's got a room up on Twitch, bro." <laughs> That's literally what they say, and then we're like, "You idiot!" But then the room is the name of the website. Yeah, that was uh, a bit of a faux pas from us. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is just one of those those movies, man, where there's just like so much happened, and you, you, when you like you look back, you're like, "Was that real? Was this real? Was that?" You know, was that her opinion of what happened? Is this what, you know, I don't know, man. Crazy. That would explain, like, why he's, like, such a perfect person as if the whole thing is, like, sort of Rumi's version of her. Like, she's just so good and, like, innocent and everything. Um, I, I tried looking up, like, what the fish meant, by the way, and it was something like, it was like a... <laughs> There's so many theories that people are saying that the fish represent consumers. <laughs> I don't really agree with it, but I thought it was funny. And that when she stops providing them things to consume, they die. And then when she gets back in the media, they come back to life. It's I don't know about that. I don't I don't know that I hate that because it was kind of an interesting scenario. Know. She like maybe because she like killed off her career as it was. She got home to her like fish, and they were all like dead. I I don't know. That was the weird part is they were dead and then back alive, and then it was just that was weird. I'm not gonna lie that that probably means something. The like symbolism of the fish dying, but then somehow coming back to life once she like seemed like she had her her life back in order. Yeah. I think what just makes it so difficult is you don't know what part of it was roomy, what part of it was actually happening, and then what part of it was just like, I don't know, worst case scenarios going on in her head, you know? And by the way, I after we watched, I wanted to look up what Perfect Blue meant, because it's not like a real prevailing theme in the movie, like the color blue or anything like that. And there's like fan theories and stuff, but there's actually an interview with Satoshi Kon, where someone asks him this, and he says it's based on a book called Perfect Blue, and he says, I don't know what the title means either, but it sounded mysterious, so I kept it. <laughs> Perfect Blue, complete <laughs> metamorphosis. Yeah, or like, complete metamorphosis of a pervert or something. There's like a lot of ways it can be translated. Hmm. The Kanzen Hentai. No, it does not say that. That's what it's called. Perfect blue constant hentai. It means either complete metamorphosis or total pervert. Oh yeah, wow. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they can both apply, sort of. Um But anyway, yeah, I guess that's like the the long and the short of it. I encourage you to watch it if you haven't watched it. It's got a lot of really interesting scenes, like especially the time blips. Of like where you can't tell what's happening, period. And even though you're, tr we tried to keep up, we'd be like, "Is this real? Is this real? Is this real? Is this in the stupid show?" Um, but I mean, outside of that, like, is there anything else that you have to add? I think that I think that's everything I have for it. Yeah, it was. Uh, apparently, it did like fairly well in the box office, which is interesting. I guess it had a budget of 800,000 USD back in 98. And just in the US and UK made essentially 800,000. So seems like it did fairly well because I assume it did at least as well in Japan, I would hope. So, you know, I I, I don't know. It's I think it sort of is like a precursor in some regards to like an Inception and in some movies like totally. that. Totally. Totally. I mean... This this like had so many elements of movies that we see today like all the time, 
and it's like hard to believe that like it wasn't as common of a trope back then. Yeah, some memento. Uh, <laughs> I I'll take your word for it. You should really watch. I'll take the your movie. word for it. Um, something else that I wanted to mention before we, I guess, move on is um, Ethan and I had this running joke the whole movie because the second she leaves Cham, they start doing great, <laughs> like, like so well. <laughs> they start charting in the top one hundred. They're like popping champagne. <laughs> it was so funny. We we're like. Every time it shows the duo, they're like, "Yeah, we're." I'm like, "Glad Mima's gone. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing great. Like, we're actually like so much better off because she was like really dragging us down. You know, she was dragging us down. She was holding us back. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Well, so I did think that 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 part of it was actually like kind of dragging on her mental state, but also Rumi's right because Rumi thinks that her her position is to be part of Cham. And since, like, you know, she's been doing all these, like, wild, like, rape scenes or, like, nude modeling, essentially, it was, like, kind of this this interesting scenario where I was thinking that scenario, like, Cham doing so well, especially without her, not only was it hilarious, but... It was hilarious. It was, like, like sort of a double whammy for both of those two characters as far as, like, their view of what Mima should be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was it was such a good movie, man. This this apparently has a Rotten Tomatoes of so it seems like seventy eight, I think. How? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Dummies watch it. Seven point one nine out of ten. It's trash. Which is terrible. Like that's a bad score, and I don't think it's that bad. I think it was really good, personally. If I had to rate it. I'd probably give it a 90 flat. So I was reading trivia. Yeah. Did you know that Me Mania works as as a security guard? Yeah. For Cham? Yeah. I didn't get that at all. I thought that was like his fantasy. No, no, no. He was like in the first scene as a security guard. Oh. What I didn't understand is how he kept getting into all these other scenarios. Like, how is he at... Yeah, he got in a lot of places. Yeah, he was, like, at the freaking... Um, he gets into the shoot, like, yeah, a lot. production studio. Or that was her mind playing tricks on her. Damn it. Or Rumi was letting him in. Ah, it's impossible. Well, that part doesn't really matter, I guess, but... It doesn't, but it does make it a little more confusing. Okay, I'm actually reading this trivia thing, and it's actually kind of, like great it says that remember when we see like how she has like a lot less fish in one scene it says that like Rumi steals the fish what how are you so sure well she remember she had to put them in her own uh oh in her version of the room yeah. right so she's so Rumi essentially builds Mima's room room in her own apartment are you me <laughs> Rumi yeah in her own Rumi okay <laughs> <laughs> so the audience how cool scored... was that elevator scene though that was rad oh, was when he's great. playing the stereo so the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was an 89 and the tomato meter gave it an 80% certified fresh but there was a few people that were apparently I found it very hard to get past the eroticized approach to rape and sexual violence, which is a pervasive stain on this otherwise intriguing okay. film. Okay. It's like that was kind okay. of a main plot point. Wasn't that like the point? It really was. That's what's so crazy about this. Huh. So I guess I also think that there's a lot of people that just don't understand <laughs> like simple plot points. Like not not that this was like easy to understand at all, but some of them were like the tarnishing was the really the whole point. Oh yeah, Mima. This is this is a discussion of Mima being a narcoleptic because she kept like blacking out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that's how like someone could like misinterpret it. Oh 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 yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. This is a interesting study of narcolepsy. <laughs> honestly no but we were saying somebody needs to get this girl help like she was like like losing it in the middle of like the street or jumping out of cars on the highway we're like 
how has nobody like brought her to a mental health hospital yet? Oh my gosh, I know when she runs away and says, "Wait, wait!" Oh wait, that was a dream, wasn't it? Well, that's the thing that that that's what makes this tough. Is I believe <laughs> it was a dream because it was like a weird scenario to see herself in another car on the other side of the street, like telling her something. Like, of course, that didn't happen, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I give it a 90. What about you? I would say I agree. I think like, the worst parts, it's like an 80. And the best parts, it's like a 95 or 100. Like, some of those moments were so great. Um, it, I guess it dragged on in parts, but really only in the beginning when it's like supposed to. So, I don't know. I really liked it. I mean, it was a little repetitive being like, you know, oh, is that real? Oh, is that real? Oh, is that real? You know? Like, it, it, it did feel a little bit repetitive, especially when they were, like, they'd go from essentially real life, as far as we could tell, to, like, the movie scene, or, uh, I guess, the TV set, where it would be, like, her doing her scene, and we're like, yo, what the fuck? Is this, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just that confusing. We couldn't really tell what, what was going on, but it, right, it was very absolutely. frequent. I know I've said that a lot, but I genuinely feel like my brain is broken after having watched that. The only thing that I think really hurts this film is that Mima somehow does see Rumi as idol Mima. I mean, to be kind, Rumi and Mima have different body types. Yeah. (laughs) But Mima's like convinced this is her. Like, that's the only part that doesn't make sense. They're just wearing the same outfit. Hmm. In a wig, I guess. But I guess you could say she was like destabilized at that point. I think it's just like the the idea of, well, she, I think she was still struggling with deciding whether this is really what she wants to do. You know, be an actress or or go back and do what the fans wanted her to do. So I think there were two. I think that was true. And then one time, remember, the person in the mirror like visits her. I think that was Rumi. Or, like, at least at the end when Rumi's chasing her, like, like this, like, tutu flying fairy is chasing her. But then we see, like, that brief moment of, like, this fat woman sweating after her. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. That's the... Okay, I changed it. 85. What did you... 87. Extra credit because it was good looking. Yeah. Especially for 98. I thought it was really well uh drawn and animated all right i think we should move on past this because uh i feel like i'm getting repetitive just saying how freaking confused i am i'm completely out of my brain i know i'm saying you'd have to watch it a few more times yeah easily but um are you watching any uh, other anime currently or no so something and i'm sorry if y'all already did this but i brought it up to ricky y'all should like consider um, I don't know if either of you have watched Invincible, but I watched that very recently. Loved it, and well, I loved part of it. Except for, part of it was very for forced. What is that supposed to mean? She's awful. <laughs> I was. It's like intolerable. She's easily the worst fucking character. I actually was expecting her to be revealed as a villain because she's like <laughs> so, so aggressively mean. mean. <laughs> yes 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 that's exactly what i was thinking i actually so i watched like the least understanding person in like any media it was like so crazy listen i'm invincible okay yeah i already knew that you're a douchebag for saving people like what oh (laughs) yeah i knew oh okay yeah i watched uh i watched it was some YouTube video where the guy's like, why Amber is the worst character in media or something like that. In media? <laughs> Stop. Well, because apparently like everybody else in the show, according to this guy, was like pretty understanding and like decent people. And then Amber is supposed to be this like, she's like held up as like this this insanely moral being, yet constantly she's yeah, like- Yeah, she like volunteers at the food shelter. Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then at the same time, she like has no concept of what like empathy or like anything outside of herself. Like she's like, you're not making time for me. Therefore, you're a bad person. And he says, oh, here's why I literally couldn't 
And she says, okay. As he's getting stabbed by a freaking <laughs> cyborg. Literally. And then she's like, also, I'm dumping you. Like, as he's getting his like, intestines ripped out of his body. And he has, like, zero balls and just comes crawling back to her. But I was really surprised at, like, how, how many quotes came out of that short series. Like, saying, like, you see that? See what they have to do to mimic a fraction of our power. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I loved that dude. He was so cool. The memes are... They're- pervasive and amazing i think they're actually good yeah. they are really good or like when he comes to the car and he's like i don't remember the kid's name honestly <laughs> he's like where is he and he like bends the top of his car when he's asking he's like oh uh, i think he's over there <laughs> yeah i don't know i loved it we- i'm not sure if it's an anime because it's not at all but it was still good it could be like a does it anime but i mean it's it's you know straight up western style it's more of it's like straight a straight up not an anime yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a batman begins yeah yeah thing. well teen titan not batman begins but beyond no the beyond beyond begins is a movie <laughs> <laughs> a live one action one the one with the really skinny looking batman yeah that's batman beyond beyond begins right 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 beyond beginnings uh anything else Batman that you've been watching beyond though? beginning um as far as like animes go yeah like any uh like seasonals you're watching like maybe slime or <laughs> um there's a lot that like the discord have been convincing me to want to watch i have not watched slime because i'm it's i'll be honest it's difficult for me to get around the title and i know that's small of me you're lying to me real. you've never seen slime at all I've never seen a single episode. Oh my god! I think, a, I think it's about a slime with a sword. Dude, you're gonna lose your mind when you finally watch it. It is so good. Is it actually good, or is it's it? It's like literally one of my favorite anime. Dragon made good. No, 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 no. Actually, B Star is it good. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Season two of B Stars was bad. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, season one was bad, so. <laughs> oh, I loved that. Well, um, damn, you've never seen that. What about Aruma? Did you ever watch Aruma? No, but y'all talk about it constantly. It's so good. Is that or Welcome to Demon School? Yeah, it's like it seems like a concept that should not work at all. I agree. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> or, like, something that I wouldn't enjoy watching. But when I watch it, I'm like, this is just such a blast. Like, every episode's fun. Um, It's not, like, too kitty, But it's also not, like, adult at all. Like, there's no real, like, weird, etchy shit. It's just, like, a, a straight-up good show from start to finish. So, without going into too much detail about my personal life, I just finished you know, like my grad school program thing. So I have been looking, um, and that's been about, I guess, two weeks. And so after I finished, I just like binged community and like watched the whole series. I watched like all of Rick and Morty to catch up to the current season, which thankfully is way better than season four trash. Um, and then I'm like, well, I guess I should catch up on anime too. But all I've really been doing is watching anime I've already seen. Like I've been watching Yu Yu Hakusho. Why? Uh, it's so good. <laughs> That's why I know. But here's my list of ones that I've gotten from y'all. Is um, Tokyo Revengers is number one, and then I guess Aruma Kun. Um, I guess Slime. Definitely that one about the teacher. Um, uh, the teacher Onizuka. Oh, great teacher Onizuka. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's my current list, and I, I it, unfortunately, it's getting bigger and bigger, and I'm not catching up on it. So, I need to. Um. Oh, I just watched Digimon. I got all the way through Digimon Tamers. Wow, very fun. I know. I love Digimon. I can't help. If it. I had to rank the ones you just said, though, Digimon number one. <laughs> but then what's number two? Sure, Digimon. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> uh. Hmm. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I would say I like Great Teacher Onizuka more than all the rest of those. But it was also like a longer series and completed, whereas all the rest of those are still running. If that makes sense? Yeah. Like I guess I would I would prefer the completeness of that series. Hmm. Then I guess I would say if you wanted to be like topical, 
you should pick Slime or Tokyo Revengers. Okay. And then Arumakun last, but it is a phenomenal show. Okay. So you're saying they're all heavy hitters. I like all of those a lot. They're probably Well, the last thing probably all was in my it top the last thing you recommended to me? I don't know. The last thing you recommended to me, I think, was Kaiji Baseball, which I loved. So one out. Mean, at least for oh, right yeah. streak. Yeah, Kaiji Baseball was unreal good. <sighs> it was so good. It got kind of repetitive at the end, but only because it like had a formula that kept working and then they just kept doing it. But like when it ended, I was like, okay, good. Like this is probably as far as it should go. But it did seem like there was supposed to be some sort of sequel. Like the way that it ended. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, no, nah, this is just the beginning. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, this is the end. You paid one percent of your debt. And it's like, okay, so Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to get uh Nick on the Anime Summit podcast to watch that forever because he's a huge fan of Kaiji. If you like Kaiji, you'll like one out. That's what I try to say. I keep like I mean, I told you it was Kaiji baseball, and that's that's how I try to It is Kai it's not even one out. It's Kaiji baseball. I tried to pitch it like that, and it just like I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't like my uh my appropriation of Kaiji. <laughs> <laughs> there are some people who just hate sports anime no matter what though. But he watches tons. I think he just is effing with me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There was that one Diamond No Ace. I remember I watched yeah. like freaking 60 episodes of it waiting because like every episode it's like we're going to get really good the next episode. I'm like, okay. And the next episode they're like it'll get really good the next episode. <laughs> I'm like okay. And that went on for so long and eventually I just had to quit. I'm like it's never getting good. I'm sorry. <laughs> this show sucks. No. Diamond Ace is so bad. <laughs> I hate it because I watched so much of it and I'm like Oh man, they're doing tryouts and doing warm ups and conditioning. And like, I remember conditioning, but then like they do it in like real time. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like episode four of conditioning. Like, move on. We get it. You ran 40 laps. Jeez. Literally. And then they're playing the games, and you're like, this is so cool. This is going to be like mind stuff. And then like stuff just like happens. And people comment on it instead of think through it. It's very annoying. That does sound annoying. I just watched, um, or I started watching this show called, it's like How a Realist Saved the Kingdom or something like that. I saw that. I saw that. I didn't see it, but I saw it. So it's kind of an interesting little, like, I guess, take on this isekai garbage, right? Where it seems like, frankly, a show about economics, (laughs) which I really enjoy just because... You know, that's part of my uh, my whole thing. But basically, it's like a kind of an interesting look at like how a realistic human being would would be treating these like isekai worlds that they join where like he comes to this world and they don't know shit about like commerce at all or like farming or like any of these like obvious things to like human beings. Mm-hmm. from earth that we've all learned in like some some form or another maybe not like you know this kid seems to be a super genius like like all uh isekai individuals of course of course of course but uh he, he's got like a ridiculous grasp of economics which you know <laughs> you know maybe is slightly better than mine to be honest so uh you know you can tell he's a genius but anyhow um but it, it's just like kind of funny that this like kingdom he joins is like completely like essentially on the outs like losing money like crazy super negative in their um (laughs) in their like treasury and his like goal is to like turn it around financially and like basically make Mm -hmm. it make it like a strong kingdom that can stand up for itself in like the first episode the king like abdicates the throne to him because he's just better suited to fix the kingdom. Stop. I know. Stop. I That's know. Hilarious. It's great, actually. I'm enjoying it a lot. There's only three episodes out right now, but I'm just I'm having a blast watching that, especially like all the all the like economic stuff and like some of the I guess personnel decisions. Like he did this big like uh this talent scouting like um campaign, I guess, across the whole uh kingdom and he's like 
anyone with a with a great talent will make use of you. And so we're just kind of like in the very beginnings of that show. I don't expect it to be like, you know, groundbreaking or anything really like that. But it's just like a fun little. But it's cute. It's a fun little jaunt, a nice little cute jaunt. And uh, I was talking about it with some of the people in the discord. And I I just think it's going to be one of those that could be like an edutainment, sort of like a Dr. Stone, but not. I was just thinking your premise sounds like Dr. Stone, though. Right. Like someone going to this world that knows way more about modern society and kind of catch people up and has an advantage that way. Yeah, except it's kind of like the administration. <laughs> like I would om- almost rename it like Realist Administration Kingdom or something. <laughs> <laughs> How a realist ran a kingdom in an isekai world. <laughs> That's kind of the title as it is. <laughs> And then I watched this uh, this Netflix show, Daily Life of the Immortal King. It's a Chinese okay. anime, if if that's not pure blasphemy. Well, I watched Scissor 7. I think that was Chinese too. But it was great. It was like a, like a better version of Psyche K plus, plus like a, hmm, what character should I say? Did you ever watch Psyche K, by the way? I always felt like Psyche K was like almost there for me. So like the, imagine, the idea is very funny, but imagine like never almost there. there plus. Okay, so there. It, well, maybe not perfectly there, but definitely there for me. <laughs> okay. I thought it was great. It was. But it's like that idea of like someone who's like insanely powerful, but just trying to live a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, but it was funny. They like they did like uh, a lot of the jokes were like Gintama, where it'd be like they like all of a sudden be Dragon Ball Z characters or something, like pretending oh, to do like Kamehameha shits. Just like really funny stuff like that. I do like that. So yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was like a, I guess a cross between like Psyche K, Gintama, and maybe like. Some webtoon that you probably don't know anything about. <laughs> well, like solo leveling. Not solo leveling, even though that's better. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> fuck, what's that called? We've talked about it on the show before. <sighs> okay, fine. Anyway, I know this is a anyway. a little bit of a meandering episode, but unordinary was oh, wait, the show. Wait, before we finish, okay, go I'm, ahead. I'm ex. I'm excited to watch something good because I feel like the last few I've watched have been horrible, like animes. So I do appreciate the list. Because I watched, you know, like that one about like the guy who has no job, he gets reincarnated, and then he decides he likes little girls. And then I <laughs> then I watched the one about like uh, Mashoko Tensei. What is that? That's the jobless reincarnation guy. Oh yes! Oh my gosh! It was so promising too incredible start and they're like just kidding i <laughs> got you just kidding he likes little um, kiddos he literally does and there's no it's never explained except for i am a pervert right it isn't an explanation for that <laughs> <laughs> um, then there was uh did you, wait, did you listen to our episode after after you watched it yes i i know that there's the schism do you agree with me or him i think you know <laughs> I don't need to say. Yeah. I agreed with him until like 18 minutes into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Ethan's insane. This rule. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Um, it's just like one of those scenarios also where I felt like it was a show that was using a lot of the same tropes as all these other shows that people shit on them for. Like they shit on, <laughs> they like shit on the tropes, but because it was in like a better package, they were like, "Oh, this is because it was prettier." Yeah, this is like, yeah, this is fucking. <laughs> oh, now it's fine. Yeah, this is brain blast worthy. Brain blast. I remember because I also watched. There was that one, and then the one before that was, I don't know what was that one like Bleach two, but it's about demons instead of like hollows. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh my gosh, Bleach two is what it's called. Right, that was insane. That was like borderline plagiarism. That's what I said, but you know, nobody nobody believes me or nobody gives Well, they a haven't shit. seen Bleach then. Yeah. 
Well, I believe that they wouldn't care, but then not again, to be honest, insane. Bleach is really Yu Yu Hakusho too, <laughs> which is also fine. Yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho is great. <laughs> so it's Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> yeah, really. Honestly, kind of. <laughs> so, by the way, I think I think this is true. I never knew this. This is probably common knowledge to your audience. Um, but I was thinking about like uh, I don't remember how it came up, but like Yu Yu Hakusho, and uh, and I was like, man, a lot of this like has a lot to do with like Hunter X Hunter. Yeah, which is written by the same guy that did Yu Yu Hakusho. The same guy! Yeah. That's crazy to me. Because they are pretty different, but they also have a lot of similarities, obviously. I think even the characters look similar to me. You think? Yeah. Yeah. But like, there's always like the wise one, the unpredictable one, the pure main guy. <laughs> one is stupid. <laughs> Annoying. Leo Rio-san. <laughs> Leo, right, well, anyway, did you really not <laughs> that, know that's that? all i wanted to say when did you find that out i i don't know probably like a month ago i, I really had no idea <laughs> um but yeah just in summation bleach 2 i didn't like you didn't i didn't like i didn't like bleach 2 that's surprising i still did liked you it. it yeah i still liked it i just didn't think it was I as good as everyone like, said it. really well, I didn't, like, hate it, but it was, like, it couldn't hold my attention. I'm, like, I've seen this before. Yeah. That's kind of, like, where I was at early on, but, you know, I have a reason to finish shows like that. That's true. That's true. Um, maybe it's maybe it gets better, too. I mean, it was certainly good. Like I, like I said during that episode, even, you know, I try to take, like, a semi-contrarian view to the entire masses that say, like, <laughs> this show's the best show that's ever existed, not having seen Bleach or anything like that, apparently. <laughs> right well you know what i mean like if you've only seen like seven shows yeah it might be the best show in your you know you've ever seen shit if mm. you've only seen 50 shows it might be in your top five but when you, when you watch as much as we do right it's just like you know a little reductive and that's fine as long as there's like a polish or something which i think is everyone's or at least Ricky's uh, idea of why. <laughs> m- m- well, I'm not. I think everyone is a little bit of a, a generalization. So I just i I pulled back scope to who I knew, and, and you know. No, Ricky loves polish. It's but not but I'm saying, like, for for Jobless Reincarnation, that's what his like thing was. Is like the polish is just un- undeniable on all of the uh, like the different tropes, which I said. I'll admit though, was fine. I'm- I'm susceptible to that too because what is that the the Made in Abyss has some like really problematic scenes and ideas. Yeah. But I still loved it even though like I'm opposed to a lot of the themes that that show brings. Like I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but like it was still like great. <laughs> I think it's just cuz it was polished so well and cuz like that took such a back seat to like the actual plot and characters and stuff. Yeah. But hmm. it was still there, which you would think would make me hate it. Yeah, I don't know. I still, I still, and you know, I'll always say this. I just think that they go a little overboard with like the shock value of some of those things. Like, like, yeah. what's the point of like putting naked children in your show? It just doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, right, I, that's kind of what I'm referencing. Is like, I don't know why that's present. Well, because like I even I just watched started watching the show. I guess it must have been like early last week called Black Bullet. Have you ever heard of it? I think I've seen it. I think. Maybe. Anyway, it's it's the point of it is like weird. It's like essentially a big apocalypse apocalypse happens and there's I have seen it. There's these aliens that are only able to be killed by these black bullets called vanadium or yep. these like little girl children that are yeah, like mixed with them to make these like I forget what they're called like demon children or something like that little I don't know anyway so it's like lolly bait to the 10 billionth percentage but yeah the the main character lives with his like his initiator I think she's called which is like their their like big hitter demon kid and she's just like yep. constantly naked and like 
asking him to like make out with her and stuff. It's just like so unnecessary. Right. And it's like otherwise it could be an interesting idea. Like a really cool show. Just like also I'm a pervert, so I'm gonna ruin my own story. Right. I just don't understand I don't understand the desire to bring those things in, especially like for little girls. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I remember I think I watched like two episodes of this and I remember I'm looking it up now and it it says it takes place in the futuristic year of 2021. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a, you know, a very eclectic episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the little bit of a change of pace. Um I feel like I rambled a lot in the beginning, so just excuse me for that. <laughs> But thank you, Patrick, for coming on and, uh, you know, watching this movie with me, man, because it was a good one. I really liked it. I think watching good movies is not a bad thing. It was definitely like, I think, as much or more fun than watching the bad one because this one was just so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was just like actually good, whereas it's fun to really shit on bad movies. All right, well, (laughs) I thought you were going to, like, continue on or say something, but that's fine. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening at home. Of course, all the links will be in the description. I did want to specifically say, make sure you guys go check out the Lords of Dorktown podcast, because we had just done a guest spot over there. We talked about uh, Dr. Stone, um, fast food. Like, just a bunch of random stuff, and it was a great episode. So make sure you go check that out. And then uh, I think on YouTube, we got two sick videos coming out this week. One is ranking Naruto uh, villains tier list. So that was fun. And then we also did, like, a like a like another GeoGuessr in Tokyo. And it was a insane one. Five-minute rounds, really freaking hard. You got anything uh, you want to say to the to the people at home, Pat Bot, as one of the department chairs? No, I just want to say, you know, um, thanks for listening. And again, I'm Ricky. <laughs> and I'm Ethan. <laughs> and, and this has been Weebology. Thanks for coming to class. Deuces. Deuces. Peace. <laughs>